and gore, and sometimes a little more, my bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everyone to your favorite podcast, my bloody podcast so excited to be here for another week another episode holy shit episode 67 and you know what that means everyone only two more to our favorite episode we'll let you stew on that for a little bit but yes we are here episode 67 my bloody podcast now on spotify and on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, I'm Brian Kluger with Boomstick Comics, High Def Digest, this wonderful podcast. And I'm here with the only person in the world who I'd want to body meld with so that our skin and insides can be one. Preston Barta of FreshFiction.tv and the Denton Record Chronicle. Preston. Yes, my uh, shunting partner in crime. Shunting. It's such a good word, don't you think? It's the perfect word. It's just immediately after you read it, you're like, what the hell does that mean? I mean, can we make t-shirts that say, I just want to shunt with you? <laughs> Please. Can we Can we, Can we? we be shunting? Just, we'll we'll uh, add that in with a marker uh, for our uh, t-shirts for Fantastic Fifth. Yes, for sure. We we uh we have gotten shirts made. We have shirts made, and uh, we're gonna be wearing them. We'll probably be taking pictures with them. If you want any, we can order them and uh, sponsor the show. You know that kind of thing. That'd be kind of cool. I'm very excited about it. Uh, we're gonna be. Are you gonna wear it every day? Are you gonna like just smell so good? My my house uh, Airbnb in Austin has washer and dryers, so technically I could wear it every day and be fresh clean and smelling so it'll just be uh, a good boys large and then uh, be a, an extra small by the end of the week yes it will depending and, uh, on the material I'm just gonna let my 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 gut just show out hair and all and just kind of go with cut that. off the sleeves it'll it'll be it'll become a tube top very shortly for sure <laughs> are you so uh I gotta ask, but first off, our our episode today is super fun. We have a fun as hell movie to talk about for our main event, 1989 Society by Brian Usna. Um, but we'll we'll get into that later because if you haven't seen this, Jesus Christ, we're gonna get into it. And then of course we have uh, bloody recommendations, bloody questions. And bloody bits of news, but first, like Preston said, Fantastic Fest is one week away from today. Preston, James Cole Clay, and myself will be at Fantastic Fest in Austin, delivering you all the good genre stuff. Preston, are you ready? Are you excited? Are you excited as previous years? Are you just kind of like, yeah, we're going again? Uh, I'm pretty excited. I get... Uh like we say each time we talk about fantastic fest uh it feels like home it's just uh it's a place that i feel super comfortable uh walking around and talking with people and so i just enjoy that energy it doesn't really matter so much to me about the films i mean it does to a degree but 
I just like hanging out with you. I like hanging out with Cole. I like hanging out with Susan, the Conways, and it's just a, a joy. Don't like, forget Chafferdini. Chafferdini. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, he he uh, he'll remember some stuff that we said in the past and bring it up, and I'm like, dude, I totally forgot about that, and I'm still awaiting his rap battle. There's so much. Oh my goodness! So I've seen him do his rap battle before. He has a new one all about Michael Keaton. I don't know if you've heard it, but I've heard uh, like two lines from it, <laughs> and it's pretty great. So I, I hope that one day we'll get that in full form. Or I'm just going to have to ask him for a private show. Yeah, that's true. He'll do a private show. I've I've gotten private shows from him before. It's, it's delicious and delightful. But speaking of Fantastic Fest, the third and final wave of Fantastic Fest was released, and uh, meaning like it's kind of like a smaller little uh, list of films. But I would say some of these, like I'm highly anticipating scene because they just kind of look like wow this sounds kind of crazy and cool and i'm in so preston give me one and i'll give you one we'll go back and forth type of thing okay some third wave suggestions you're looking forward to all right so overall i guess i'll just tell you my thoughts when i first got the list um Immediately when I get the email, I'm like looking for those recognizable titles. And like I said last week on the show, I I was really, really hoping for some A24 films to squeeze in there, specifically The Lighthouse. But alas, it is not. But uh, I'm still optimistic and hopeful because, you know, there's a secret screening and sometimes they do TIFF, uh, which is the Toronto International Film Festival, and Lighthouse played there as well as Can. And um, so there's a possibility that uh, Fantastic Fest could reheat that for the secret screening or which is what I am leaning more towards. I, I, I like it more when they make it their own and it's something that hasn't been seen before like split so overall uh i i had to do research with all these titles i didn't really recognize a lot of them right away they had very unique titles but i did have to look into each of them and so uh, i found a few about five that i'm pretty excited about uh, based on the talent involved in the stories And the first one that I would like to bring up is a movie called Little Joe, and it's from Austria, um, or United Kingdom in Germany. But um, the the movie has um, Ben Wishaw in it, and he's the voice of Paddington. He was also in Cloud Atlas and the Lobster, and he played uh, Q, I believe, or was it M? No, he's Q. Q. M is the other. Yeah. Q from uh, James Bond, the James Bond movies. But uh, so the movie is and this is the official log line to kind of get you interested in it. Uh, It's a genetically modified scarlet flower has mood enhancing antidepressant effects on its owners, which becomes increasingly alarming as its influence spreads in its body snatchers for the drugged out millennium. So that that it's that last little bit of that description that is like, yes. And, and that's what I noticed with a lot of these titles that, uh, or the, of the five that I'm really excited about is there's super simple, uh, uh, movie plots 
but they have just a little bit of a twist to it. And so this idea of getting like a body snatchers type thing and like scientists doing experiments and flowers and just things kind of taking over our bodies. And I think this is, is this the thing? Have you noticed that this is a bit of a theme this year that a lot of it has to do the fantastic fest name? Cause there's always a theme each year. And this year it seems like it has to do with like parasites uh, beyond just the, the title of the movie, the parasite, but just things inside your body and uh, uh, just like body horror. And so, um, and which is one of my favorite genres, go figure. We're talking about society today. Um, so I'm really stoked about this movie called Little Joe. Uh, that does sound pretty good. Um, I, I I saw that and I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. I could I could get behind that. Um, cool. One of mine that I'm really looking forward to. Um, so this is a French film, and it's animated, I believe. But it's called I Lost My Body. And it's kind of about a severed hand that escapes a laboratory and sets out on an adventure to find its owner across Paris. <laughs> like, it's, it's body again. And, uh, yeah, I do believe it's animated, and it just seems like a fun-as-hell movie to me. I don't know. Whoa. I mean, did you look into this at all? I did. Um, I will admit that I'm not a huge like animation guy. Uh, I guess I'm stuck in that general audience category of just really going out to see movies like Pixar and Disney animation and stuff like that. So I have, I don't, I haven't had the proper introduction to. I've seen a few like Red Turtle, but um, I just like this kind of like uh, anime and hand-drawn look uh, or that have like this kind of unique style to them. I haven't really got into that yet. So um, maybe this should be the one that I uh, pop my cherry with. You should like it. It looks like a lot of fun and like the, the story just seems cool. And like, there's a, like a romantic story behind it, but you know, I'm a big fan of French film and this just sounds all sorts of cool and you know it's re- it looks like it's really short it's like 80 minutes long or less and i i think it'll be like a quick fun type of movie i that's that's where i'm at with it uh is there another one on here i know there's probably there's you said there's five but yeah um give me another um, one yeah the next one uh is sea fever and it's another film that also deals with something being inside your body and causing paranoia. Um, this one has Connie Nielsen in it, who I haven't seen in a long time, but I really like her. But uh, there's actually a clip that is available online, I believe through Vimeo. But if you go on fantasticfest.com, you can look up each of these movies that we mentioned and you can read the de- the description that was written by a writer as well as the official log line of the film. And, uh, sometimes they include stills or most of them do. And, but occasionally they will have a, a trailer or a clip to go along with it. And so, and this, uh, the clip that is available for this movie, uh, sea fever, is just the cast, um, in this like dark space. I, I assume it's on a boat. Um, 
and they're flashing they're going uh, one by one one of them uh or actually two of them are taking turns they're flashing a light in each other's eyes to see if they see anything so a lot uh similar to the strain you know when that's how they're they're able to check if people have the virus they can look in their eyes and then they can see uh something uh that glows or some sort of thing to kind of let them inform them that this person's infected we gotta fucking kill them and so uh we don't get to the killing in this clip it's just building up that tension and so it seems like it's a pretty good uh character driven film um so uh yeah this is one that i'm really uh, stoked about um so yeah sea fever sea fever there you go uh, another one that I'm looking forward to is Random Acts of Violence, uh, written, directed, and starring Jay Bruchel, who, of course, you have known from Judd Apatow movies. Um, he This movie sounds really cool, and it's got a kind of cool cast with Jordana Brewster and Jesse Williams. Uh, it's... Basically, it's a pair of comic book writers who begin to notice scary similarities between the characters they create and horrific real-life events. Now, this reminds me of a Tales from the Crypt episode where a comic book writer would draw uh, horrific things and they would come to life. So I wonder if there's any inspiration from that into this. Uh, but uh, I'm very – I like it. Pretty much everything Jay Baruchel does. Like, I don't think he's done a bad thing yet. And um, it's him and Jesse uh, Chabot wrote it, who did Goon and uh, Goon 2. So I think uh, I'm I'm pretty into this random acts of violence. I, I don't know. It, it just sounds good to me. And hopefully Jay will be there because I think he would be kind of a fun interview. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I interviewed him for uh, – what was that TV show that he did on FX? Oh, The Love Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know what you're it was talking a de- about. It was, a, it was a decent show, but um, yeah, he, I, I'm, this is one of the ones that I'm interested, into, uh, interested in as well. But uh, the, the other one – another one that I would like to bring up uh, also fits into – that uh, description I was talking about earlier with movies that you seem like you you're, you're you recognize like you recognize the plot, but there's probably more going on there. And uh, from this took reading the full description on Fantastic Fest to really get me into uh, into this film and wanting to check it out. And it's called Pelican Blood. Yes. And the the plot is. Um, it's about like a mother who adopts uh, this kid and uh, this kid has a very troubled, horrific past and it's causing a little bit of turmoil within the household. Um, but the mother doesn't want to give up on that child. So I'm expecting to see something along the lines of, you know, the orphan or uh, the omen. But um, it seems like that that love between uh, a mother and her child is going to be pretty strong in here. Cause that is at the forefront in this uh, full description that's available on fantasticfest.com. And uh, that, that got me into it because, you know, as a, as a father of a two year old um, I'm, I'm often chasing those film experiences that dive deeper into 
the psychology of being a parent and this is uh one that fits the bill so i was uh, i was just about to say this sounds the true story the true life story of you and roe <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he's not crazy uh, i mean he keeps me on my toes just like any child would but he's a lot of fun like even today he was just the it's just like one of those times where I didn't want to drop him off at school. He was just a lot of fun. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm always just I, – I like movies that inform and cause me to grow and think. And I hope that this is one of those films uh, and it's just uh, icing on the cake that it's in the genre that I love. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm just going to give you one more last one so we can move on. Uh, sure. From this, but uh, Worm, W Y R M, Worm, uh, from the U.S. Uh, it sounds like a fun as hell movie. Um, the logline for it is: In a strangely futuristic yet analog alternate universe, a lonely dinosaur-obsessed kid struggles to complete a unique school requirement or risk being held back and enduring a lifetime of embarrassment. I literally have no idea where this is going, but just yeah. from that <laughs> sounds like a super fun movie and it's the world premiere of it. Like it never been shown. This is the first time it will be shown. And I don't know. I mean, that just, that tells me like, yes, I want to be front and center for that movie. You know? Yeah. Uh, the, some, one of the, or two of the movies that came up, in the description was uh, the work of Yargos Lanthimos, so like the lobster. Yes. And, and killing uh, the sacred deer, yes. Yes. And then uh, uh, Todd uh, Chalance, is that his name? The oh, yeah. Guy? Yes. Yeah. So, um, and those, they're very eccentric filmmakers that have a very specific tone, and I love that tone. And so I I really hope that you and I could sit next to each other and get uncomfortable. Yeah, please. Can we do that hand in hand in our shirts? So much skin. <laughs> so much skin. Oh, it's the it's the theme of the episode, really. Yeah, so I gotta bring much it up. Skin. Um, shall we move on to our next topic? There's one thing I wanted to bring up one uh, one more film real quickly, and that is uh, it's one that I that you mentioned to me, Brian, too, uh, called Sweetheart. Yes, and it's the Texas premiere. And uh, it's uh, it's a stranded on the island, deserted island kind of uh, scenario. Um, but then there's uh, more stuff going on in the island. Maybe there's a polar bear. I don't know, like Lost. But uh, that's uh, simple enough of description. And I like those. And I like survival tales. And I like that there's more going on here. One of my favorite movies of last year was The Boat which was a survival story stranded at sea and this one taking place on an island. There's no telling what can happen. The only uh, downfall here, and it's a movie that I have not seen, uh, but I have heard how bad it is and that movie is slight. <laughs> and uh, so this is coming from that director. Um, so that, that could be a drawback, but you know, also, I believe that filmmakers can bounce back and create something really awesome. So I hope that Sweetheart is that movie. There you go. Uh, let's. We'll be there next week, and we're going to be talking about it and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, Fantastic Fest, Austin, Texas, starts next Thursday, September 19th. 
and runs for like eight or nine days. Uh, I do believe there are some badges and passes still available, so go to fantasticfest.com and get your badges while you still can. And come say hi to Preston and I while you're there. Please. Yes. Yes. Um, let's let's move on to a little bit of news, big news that came out super late last night, like I'd imagine around midnight last night for some reason. Um, you know, they're remaking every Stephen King movie now because of it making hundreds of millions of dollars. And so the one that's in production right now, the big one, is Stephen King's The Stand, which, of course, was a miniseries, a little uh, television event back in the 90s. And it was announced that uh, The Stand was being remade and that threw everybody into orbit about who's going to play the evil villain Randall Flagg. A lot of people thought it was going to be Matthew McConaughey. It's not. It is Alexander Skarsgård. The uh, Eric from True Blood, the blonde vampire, and uh, maybe. I I hope so. I don't see it yet. Although I do like Alexander Skarsgård. I don't know for Randall Flagg. I have no idea what he's going to bring to it. Um, Other than what I've seen in other movies, which he's kind of either like a funny dolt or... A scary yet romantic vampire. I don't know. Um, or Tarzan. <laughs> Preston, what do you have to say about this? I think you're pulling from the wrong stack. The um, Hold the Dark and True Lies, or True Lies, Big Little Lies. Oh, you know uh, what? You're right. Fuck, I forgot he, about Hold the Dark. He was so good. Hold the Dark, he's fucking incredible in that movie i totally Uh, forgot about that movie i love that movie yes i'm drawing from the wrong stack thank you yeah the scar the scar guards um in uh stephen king i guess they just go hand in hand so um yeah this is exciting i'm not super familiar with the stand uh i do know about its story and uh with you know randall flag essentially being the devil i think that uh, Alexander Skarsgård would make a really great uh, Randall Flagg because um, with those, if you have not seen Hold the Dark, please see that movie because he really is that good in it. Um, he just has this way about him, and it's hard for me to like watch him in other movies after that uh, because he's just so expressive with his eyes, and there's just like I can just feel the menace cooking within him and i think he can just do so much without with saying so little and uh i think he would be perfect for this role um like i just watched recently long shot and he plays like like a british prime minister type of right. person in that he movie was funny. he was funny and and uh and he does like this like goofy laugh in it and uh all i could think about was hold the dark so um yeah, I'm excited about this casting. It's good. And then I guess Whoopi Goldberg's going to be in it too. True. Uh, playing Mother <laughs> Abigail. Um, oh, Whoopi so, Goldberg. Um, EGOT winner, I think, still yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she is an EGOT winner. Um, and then, yeah, there, previously announced uh, there's James Marsden and Amber Heard. And then uh, uh, Giovanna Depo, who was most recently in Overlord. 
Um, so they got a pretty good cast here of, uh, of actors and, um, I get, is it going to be, isn't a mini series too, because it's going to be on CBS all access or are they just doing, are they doing films or do you know? If it's going to be on CBS all access, I'd imagine it's going to be a two or three part or maybe even four part thing. Okay. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, it's an expansive book. Like it's, it's, there's a lot to it in a lot. of. Yeah. Characters. I mean, I've seen the book. It's pretty thick. Yes. Um, so yeah, the stand, uh, Alexander Skarsgård. I will, I will take back that. Like I forgot it completely forgot about hold the dark. Yes. Skarsgård, you were excellent. Yeah, hold the it. phone, Brian, hold the phone and hold the dark. Jesus. Okay. So the stand, good, good deal. We'll update you when more comes out. A, uh, a couple other bits of news before we get into a little bit of records and a mini review, but uh, some some home video news. Uh, the original Suspiria movie is getting the 4K ultra high definition treatment, probably much to the happiness of Preston, I imagine. Right? Yes, yes, it's <laughs> exciting. I mean, it's a great. Uh, we've have a great list of titles uh coming from like all my favorite uh distributors uh, with you know suspiria it's great i love that movie and so synapse is involved with this and i have the synapse uh two disc blu-ray of suspiria and it's got really terrific art on this and so this new 4k also has uh really great art on it as well um of like a woman being hung um, so I'm stoked about this and, um, I guess we could talk a little bit more about some of the screen factory titles that are coming out, but the biggest one for me is, uh, big trouble in little China. There's a terrific steel book that's going to be available. There's a vinyl box set <laughs> of like two, 25,000 copies and, uh, my God, there's there, there's a yeah, there's like a seven inch vinyl uh, that's included with it. There's all this like never be seen or never before seen uh, footage and music. And uh, that's it's just uh, anything. That's like the Christmas gift that I want. It's because, yeah, there, there's like several different limited editions of it, and it just seems like, wow, they're really going all out this year with it because it's been released a few times before. But, yeah, it, it looks like fun, doesn't it? Are yeah, you-, you, you had me at Steelbook, but um, you really have my attention with everything else that's included with it. Like, it's just that big, expansive pack that would look incredible on the shelf, but also just would be fun to play with. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I, I like it. I like it a lot. And but then, there's some, there's some other ones. What, what are those? Uh, the fly and the yes. omen box set. So let's talk about the fly. It said it's coming with five movies and I can only remember three movies. So where are the other two? Cause I remember the uh, original one and then yeah. the two, the Jeff Goldblum one in the sequel to that. I didn't know there were two other ones. Isn't there, isn't there two technically original ones? Okay. Yeah, I guess. So I only thought about the original, like there's, a, I thought there was only one original one, but I, uh, but yeah, five movies and then tons of 
extras are coming with this set. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. So yeah, there's uh, 1958's The Fly. There's uh-huh. The Return of the Fly. Uh, and then there's The Curse of the Fly. And then there's Cronenberg's remake, The with Fly. With Bloom and Gina Davis. Right. Correct. And then Fly uh, 2. True. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, that... I'm more interested in that one than the Omen. Yeah, you know, honestly, I have not seen any of the Omen sequels. I did text Brian yesterday that I got the Omen four, but I'm not about to make that narrative jump without seeing two, three. Um, So I I really hope that we get this uh, box set for the Omen to to review. Uh, Otherwise, I guess I will be... uh, uh, sucking out all the couch pennies and uh, buying this sucker. There you go. The yes, the Omen box set and the Fly box set. Pretty good uh, stuff from Scream Factory, I do believe. Because the last box sets we got were kind of like the Poison Ivy and the Critters one, which I love the Critters one. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I mean the Fly. The artwork is pretty cool on it and. Uh yeah, I I am enjoying that. So yeah, Scream Factory, you're you're uh, are making us spend a few hundred dollars here coming up. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and then real quickly, uh, Kino Lorber announced their October titles, and uh, it's a really good lineup. Not not like in the sense where you'd be like, oh my god, there's that one, that one, that one, but it, there's just ones that are like that cover art's awesome. I've heard that this movie's great. Um, I got to get this. Um, so some of the titles is uh, Parasite, I, I guess, <laughs> a different Parasite. Not other the than... Bong Joon-ho. Correct. Um, it's like from way back in the day. And there's the Trilogy of Terror 2. <laughs> Rugger Hauer uh, has a movie called Wanted Dead or Alive. And uh, what else is there? Uh, there's a movie called Baby Blood which is a uh, movie that's in line with, like, Rosemary's Baby. And then uh, Nightmare Beach, uh, My Boyfriend's Back. And uh, speaking of Stephen King, Storm of the Century. That is one of my – I loved that miniseries as a kid. Um, I often think – that. The guy scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Just the idea of somebody touching you and then just knowing all your secrets. Yeah, it's crazy. But, yeah, so I'm excited about that one. So they're going to do it. So they have a lot of good uh, horror stuff lined up, and then they have a couple of uh, fun movies, like A Simple Twist of Fate with Steve Martin and then Patrick Swayze with Fatherhood. So good stuff in there as well. So Kino Lorber. There you go. There you go. That is uh, some good home video stuff out. Um, Up next, uh, Preston uh, received the Jaws record album, a very uh, re-re-re-re-release of Jaws uh, from Mondo, Mondo T's. Uh, re-release their own record that they've released before, and there's been many releases. <laughs> you trying to make me feel bad that like this is my first time owning this record, and it's a re-re-re-re-re-release? No, I actually think you might own all copies of it. I, I'm willing to bet because it is your favorite movie. So I, uh, I I'm gonna let Preston have it, and he's gonna talk about this cool Mondo Jaws release. 
Yeah, anytime I can talk about Jaws, oh, do I love it. Um, <laughs> you just so, climax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you heard so, it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, God, this, um, this vinyl has beautiful, beautiful art on it, and that's the first thing that got my attention. And it's a, it's a Mondo poster as well, I believe. Um, but the, the image is of, you know, like the shark's jaw, like hanging on a window seal. And then you can see the orca boat in the distance, kind of hinting at the fact that, you know, Jaws is going to eat this boat and, uh, screw these guys. So, um, it's incredible art, good, good color tone as well. Um, and it comes from Phantom City Creative, uh, uh, they did the artwork and um, you should look up their website on, I, th- I think it says phantom uh, city creative, uh, dot com, I believe, but they um, it's this, uh, it, his name is uh, Justin Erickson and then Paige Reynolds and they both work as il- in illustration and design. And so they're behind this and they, um, They've done work like some of my favorite posters uh, through Mondo and various other places, and they do a lot of great cover art. Uh, they did a really great one for Alien uh, not too long ago, and they've done um, stuff for like It and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like I have a Texas Chainsaw Massacre steel book that has their art on it. They've even done one for Big Trouble in Little China. Um, so um, their their stuff is just I would populate my walls with it. So. Uh, if you want to even just hang the record up, even though you should listen to it, um, you can still, you know, sounds good and it looks good. Um, uh, and additionally on the inside, when you open up the flap, it has the image of the naked woman from the beginning of the film who's swimming in the water and you get a shot of Jaws swimming underneath her. Um, but what's really cool outside of just the vinyl record itself um, which, um, is, uh, co-produced by, uh, Mike Matissino, who, uh, restored, edited, mixed the music from the original stu- uh, original studio elements. And it was, imp- it was approved by John Williams himself. So it sounds really damn good. But, um, I also like to like read a lot of the text, uh, I really enjoy just kind of sitting down with these final records from Mondo and just like reading the articles that they include. And the one that's included in this one's like a full spread, uh, by, uh, Mike, uh, Matissino. I really hope I'm saying his name, right? I really apologize, Mike. Um, but, uh, wrote this article about the theme and how it still works and just like how, like what, how it's influenced, uh, composers and what sort of impact it had on culture, which is like a topic that we could sit here all day and talk about how great the theme is for Jaws because it's instantly recognizable. It's immediately, it was associated or it is associated with sharks. I feel like anytime you go to any sort of event, anytime you, that involves sharks or you watch shark week, it's going to pop up on there. My son listens to baby shark every damn day. 20 times a day and it has the theme of jaws in it so this this movie and this music is so infused in my life that uh i had to own this and so uh without a question i'm recommending this and 
I also have to say there's some really cool illustrations that are included in the spread. There's one of Brody at the end of the movie where he's, you know, he says his famous line, smile, you son of a bitch. I want to get this tattooed on my arm. It's that cool. So I might have to do that. So uh, I'm taking some uh, inspiration from the this uh vinyl release so do you have any tattoos i have one on my forearm i don't remember that yeah it's uh it's a film slate of my anniversary oh that's right and um so yeah uh, you know action there There it is so gotta gotta have uh more uh movie tattoos on my body but i i don't but yeah so, very cool record from Mondo, and uh, you can go on mondotees.com and order it. I believe it's uh, $35, so pretty good, and um, it'll keep you busy uh, for listening to it and then also admiring its contents. There you go. There you go. The Jaws on mondotees.com. Get it and uh, listen to it because it's one of the most iconic film soundtracks and scores out there. Yeah, there, there's more to it than just that theme song. You'll there, There's more to love there. Yep, there you go. There you go. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's uh, move on. You have a mini review for us of a movie you watched, right? Yeah, I'll keep this one very brief because we're pretty long here already. But uh, it was a movie that I was uh, stoked about because I like the, the writers involved who are also the directors. And that's Scott Beck and Brian Woods. And uh, they were uh, involved with A Quiet Place. They wrote the original screenplay that uh, John Krasinski pretty much just took over. And then they developed it together. And so now this is them taking their first stab at a work, at least as far as I know, because I haven't, I'm not super familiar with their filmography or their career. So I'm just kind of treating it as, uh, you know, their breakout was quiet place. And then this is their follow up to that. Um, and boy, it's a disappointing one, I have to say. So the movie's called haunt and it, it falls in line with the movie that I have recommended, or actually there's two I've recommended, uh, Hellfest, which is, you know, a movie that takes place at a haunted house. And it just kind of delves into the horror of all that. And because, you know, oftentimes when we go to haunted houses, we think about all the horror movies that we've seen and all the different scenarios. And then we kind of makes our mind kind of wander like what there's something more going on here. And so this movie dives into that paranoia of like because today, you know, you and we've discussed this before. You go to haunted houses, sometimes they make you sign stuff. And they can touch you and they can do certain things. And a lot of the and some of the stuff that they do can be super elaborate and scary. And then you'd be like, I don't know if that's real or not. Uh, Should I be scared? Um, So this is a movie that's about that. And so it's pretty simple. uh, And I have to say there's nothing uh, more to it. Oh, and the other movie that I was going to bring up was Extremity, which is a movie that deals with escape rooms and also kind of like a haunted house scenario. And uh, so I've seen plenty of movies that uh, have died, have delved into this territory. And so there was nothing new to this movie. It's a bit of a chore to get through 
and uh, primarily with the teenagers because we spend a lot of time with them uh, talking to each other and a lot of their dialogue is just not good and uh, I, I don't care about them. And so it's it's tough getting through this movie where you can pretty much call every shot and it just feels like uh, these directors slash writers like college film or something. It's, it's not good. Um, so, uh, I hate to say that, but man, it, it, it was, uh, it was pretty bad. So that is haunt. And I believe it's coming out on video on demand. Uh, and it's probably going to be released in select theaters, but, uh, not one that I would recommend. There you go. Um, I was curious about it, but now Preston, you 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 inspire me to not see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer because it's got uh, Will Britton in it, and I really like that guy. He was in Everybody Wants Some, playing Buter Perkins, and so uh, Buter uh, Buter Perkins, the 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 redneck kid. There you go. So bummer. Right. So that uh, that wraps up our news section. Shall we move on to bloody question? Yes, sir. The bloody question, where we ask a fun horror question, we answer it, we bring it over to Reddit, and we read some of the fun answers. Uh, and of course, this week was all about our main event, society, and Preston came up with a question. Uh, Preston? Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, it's it's pretty apparent, like what the question would be, um, and so we like to. Uh, think about like, you know, having a question or a theme for the week and then bringing that into different horror films. So the the idea this week is like, what horror character would you uh, meld your body with? And then what sort of abilities would that give you to do whatever the hell you want with? Um, so mine was pretty easy. Um I'm a big Nightmare on Elm Street fan, so I would love to have Freddy Krueger because uh, there's just an endless possibilities of what he could do by me f- joining our bodies together. And I, I, this is wishful thinking that I hope that he would not do anything to me and that we could just be buddies and be on each other's sides that um, – we can just take the form of anything. And if you've seen any of the nightmare on Elm street movies, he does some crazy things. And so, um, we could just take the shape of pretty much anything. So you would be body melt. So that means you would be burnt all over, huh? In some areas I could be like two face <laughs> in my normal form. Would you have one liners too? Oh, or give you the proclivity to <laughs> shout out one-liners. Yeah, like wet dream, and how about this for a wet dream? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's yeah my uh, my my insults would uh, go way up, and I wouldn't have to use my aunt, who's my go-to source for that. So I um, my my vocabulary, my insult vocabulary would expand. There you go. I like it. I like it. Um, I wonder if you th- if you have an inclination of what I was going to do. Um, human centipede. No, didn't go down that route. Although I did think about it. <laughs> yeah, 
That's a pretty obvious choice, I guess. Pretty obvious uh, choice. Did not go that uh, route. Bruce Campbell, Ash? I thought about that too, but didn't go down that route either. Ooh, I feel like uh, I'm having that moment from Happy Gilmore where he's like, oh, this is a new Happy Gilmore. He's restrained himself. <laughs> I've restrained myself. Or, or maybe it's gone even crazier. It's gone even crazier. No, I think I'll surprise you. I would like to body meld skin and get in there and all and be kind of one <laughs> with Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Beetlejuice, because he's kind of like the blue genie from Aladdin, but just like in a more dark and twisted sense of things. He can make things happen with a snap of his fingers and clap of his hands, and he's like very animated and fun and... Unpredictable. Unpredictable. So I, I feel like I would want to body meld with him, and I feel like it would happen where I would shout his name, and then I would like... Put like my hand in his mouth or something like that and shout Beetlejuice again. And we would just kind of like form this entity uh, like of oneness. And then I could like, you know, have fun with people throughout the rest of my days. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's that probably the fun. safer approach compared to mine, which can get very malicious. And with yours, I feel like there's like no harm usually in what he does it's just scary and freaky but uh nothing that's like a, a life or death scenario right right i mean we would still have to be on the run from sandworms but it would I mean, you're just causing pranks and fun and like you could hurt people but yeah we'll see i like i like i love beetlejuice do you think you would get any sleep because he's a pretty exhausting dude <laughs> I th- you know what? I will I will sleep. I guess I would have to be dead if I was body melded to him because he's dead too. So, um, yeah, I guess you would just find out at some point if somebody's not, like, saying your name. But I, we would do marketing to, like, Beetlegeist, Beetlegeist, Beetlejuice. I don't know. I, I don't need sleep, you know. I don't need it. I'll be up. Well, if you do go to sleep. That's where I'll find you. Oh, my goodness. We just found a way for Beetlejuice and Freddy Krueger to meld together. I like it in our dreams. Only in my dreams. Okay, we brought the question to Reddit. We're going to read a couple of them uh, for time-wise. But uh, I'll read the best ones this week. And one of the best ones was Hatchet the Fly said, I would meld with Trash from Return of the Living Dead. You know, Linnea Quigley's character dances naked around the graveyard. They would body meld with Trash. We would be running away from zombies and end up knocking over a tank of the liquid trioxin, which would cause us to ooze into each other while becoming zombies at the same time. I like that, don't you? Yeah, I would stop the world and meld with her. And then uh, Riki Nashi said, Alice from Resident Evil, so I could backflip like a ninja and blow shit up without a thought. Cool. So I like that. Um, And then um, since we asked this question on Reddit, I usually give a background of like we're talking about society this week. And so um, Excalibur, Alex Caliber said... I was just coming here to see the people from society, (laughs) which is funny in its own right, because uh, when we talk about the movie, you'll get why he said this. (laughs) 
So uh, yes, you can just watch the movie, sir. Yes, just just watch the movie. You'll 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 get it pretty early on, and then just be shocked and awed at what's on screen. But yes, thank you for the bloody questions. Thank you to Reddit. Uh, let us know at mybloodypodcast at gmail dot com if you want to let us know who who you want to be body melded with because we would like to know. Hopefully, it's us. And that brings us to Bloody Recommendations, our topic, Bloody Recommendation, where we suggest a movie, vintage or new, in the horror realm that we want you to take a look at, revisit, or watch anew. Preston, I know you have a good recommendation this week. What is it? God, I do. Um, So I got this from Arrow Video yesterday, and that is The Hills (laughs) Have Eyes Part 2. But... Uh. That movie, the original is, one, not the not the newer correct. sequel. Yeah, the nineteen eighty four film, the movie that Wes Craven didn't even really want to make. I mean, there's a there's a quote out there where he says, "I'm sorry for The Hills Have Eyes too. I was broke at the time, and I really needed the money, and I would have made Godzilla goes to Paris." <laughs> and so uh, he was developing. This movie at the same time as Nightmare on the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and he was more passionate about getting the ladder off the ground, and this one just had to be made. Um, so it is it falls victim to a lot of trashy sequels. Um, so you're probably wondering why the hell I'm recommending this. I'll get to that, but we got to talk a little bit about the movie itself, which is 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 god awful it's a it is not a good movie at all and you'll you'll find out quickly why that is um especially if you've seen the 1977 original film uh, which is quite it's quite a good low budget horror film and um this one uh like i said falls victim to what a lot of trashy horror sequels um and that is like silent night deadly night 2 where it's a lot of its flashbacks so this movie is pretty infamous for having one specific flashback sequence, and that is the surviving dog beast in the movie has a flashback sequence to his own character being in the first movie. So at this time, you gotta you gotta think that you know we don't we movies were not as readily available. People had to see them in theaters and. Uh, VHSs were just about were just taken off. Um, I hope my history is correct on that, but uh, but it was difficult, and so it was it was okay to kind of have movies that had a bit of a on last week's episode kind of feel to it, and so this has that. But for so much of it, like a third, if not more, it's a lot of flashback, and it sucks. So it's a movie, you know, cannibalizing. It's uh, its own material. Um, but you can see the Mad Max inspiration of this film. Uh, they have like if you look at the the reason why I'm bringing it up is because Arrow just released this really great cover art where it has like motorcycles and f- explosions and flames. And it looks like these characters uh, are are in uh, Road Warrior. But um, the real reason why I'm recommending this, because the, the only reason to watch the original film is that the restoration's good 
and it goes great with alcohol and friends. So you can watch it that way, but uh, what what really makes it worth owning is there's this excellent uh, making of documentary, uh, which is brand new uh, with this Arrow release that's coming out on September 17th. And the documentary is called Blood, Sand, and Fire, uh, the Making of the Hills Have Eyes 2. And so it has uh, interviews with producer Peter Locke, uh, actors Michael Berryman and Janice Blythe, and production designers and the composer and the unit manager. So all these people that were involved with the making. And uh, again, the reason why I like watching Scream Factory movies, Arrow movies, is you get that brutal honesty. And so this is just these talents talking about how bad of a movie it is. And so it's got that lost soul kind of feel. And I'm talking about that documentary that I absolutely love about the island of Dr. Moreau, Moreau with uh, you know Richard Stanley and how that movie was doomed. So this is the pretty much the idea behind this documentary. It's pretty much like a doomed film. Um, no, people just kind of just wanted to make it um, because uh, they like – Wes Craven and they enjoyed the first movie, but you can tell that people were just not hot about it. There's like a lot of things that happen in the movie that are super sloppy and a lot of it has to deal with budget reasons. They didn't have the budget and their budget got cut even more during uh, the production phase. And so that's kind of what led to them doing all the flashbacks in the movie. Um, so, cause the, the, the actors will tell you, I was like, those flashback sequences were not in their original script and, but the script wasn't that great to begin with. You can watch the movie and be like, this dialogue is not good. Um, they do like certain character things that are not great. Um, and there's like, even the actors talk about like, oh, this is what they could have done to make it better. Um, but this is just kind of like what the hand they were dealt. Um, and it's unfortunate. So it's like one of those movies that is, uh, that Wes Craven tried to sweep underneath the rug, but, uh, it's out there. And so, you know, good on arrow video and other great distribution companies that, uh, like vinegar syndrome that do these movies that are just, just, or forgotten or, or, uh, famously trashed, but, doesn't want to forget them because there is a charm to watching movies that are bad horror movies that are bad. And, um, so I have, I can have fun watching this and I had fun, but I also like getting the history of doomed movies. And so you get that with this documentary. Um, so that's pretty much the big feature that's attached with this, uh, specific release. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other great things about it other than just the cover art and this like hard, uh, cardboard, box that it comes in and it has like these postcard looking things and movie stills and uh articles and all this information uh poster has like a folded out poster that has two sides which is the original cover art in the new design um but um there's a audio commentary with the hysteria continues and I listened to some of that and it's just pretty much just like these guys just talking about the experience, uh, or I guess, uh, you know, their knowledge of the film. Um, but, uh, the documentary is the one that makes it really worth checking out. So yeah, get this, uh, the Hills have eyes part two from 1984 arrow video release, um, just for shits and giggles because it's a, uh, it is a piece of shit movie 
but uh, the candy shell of this Arrow video release is immaculate, and there's some uh, side contents with that documentary that make it really worthwhile. Well said and well played. Um, Arrow Video puts out a lot of good stuff, and I'm glad they put this out because I have seen that movie, and then I have seen the second, the sequel to the remake uh, as well. And uh, yeah, pretty good. I like it. Cool. I like it. My recommendation this week um, is another Brian Usna film. You know, we're talking about him later with Society, but this one is 1993's Return of the Living Dead 3. Yeah. Arguably better than the second one. Yes. (laughs) Not arguably better. It is better. Um, So if you know Brian Usna whatsoever, he is obsessed with bodily horror, torture, (laughs) and carnage all over the place. And if you're familiar with the original Return of the Living Dead, you know... um, we mentioned this in our question. Somebody wanted trash from Linnea Quigley from Return of the Living Dead. So there's this toxin that goes around and turns people into zombies, and these zombies can talk, and all they want to do is eat brains. So in the third one, it follows a uh, a guy named Kurt Reynolds, who is the son of colonel a colonel for the military who's trying to get a hold of the zombie situation and turn all of these zombies into a military fighting machine and kurt has a girlfriend named julie and there's all this zombie uh talk about having them with exoskeletons and having to fight in wars and stuff like that for the U.S. So being a military kid, you know, you move around quite a bit. And part of the movie, uh, Kurt's going to have to leave and move with his father, and that will break up him and his girlfriend, Julie. So the night before he moves, they're pissed off. They're riding on their motorcycle, and Julie uh, touches his dick, which causes him to crash the motorcycle, which... Tosses Julie into the air and she um, uh, crashes into a pole, killing her. Upset, Kurt brings Julie's corpse to the military base, gives her the gas, and she is now a zombie. And Kurt tries to take care of her. So, of course, to, you know, feed her hunger, she has to have brains. But she realizes in this really cool turn of events that doing herself bodily harm will uh, take away the urge to feed on people. So she injects herself with needles and glass and and sharp objects all over her body, face, and nails. It is gruesome. And uh, it just turns into a mass-killing spree of soldiers and stuff like that. And uh, it's kind of it's, – it's almost kind of like a Romeo and Juliet type of story. But this movie – I mean, Brian Usna is all over this. And like I'll say, Brian Usna got to start producing Reanimator and then directed. And so he directed this uh, movie, Return of the Living Dead 3. And it's a damn good movie. Like, people – actually like it even though it did completely terrible at the theaters but i remember when this came out i was 12 years old and i was like yeah this movie's awesome uh preston do you remember this movie at all 
Oh yeah, I have the Vestron release. Yeah, it, it's good. It's 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 a fun movie and pretty. It's it, pretty good. It's 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 an R hard R rating and just I like the aspect of them doing the bodily harm to uh, suffice for eating the brains of people. I just thought that was like a kind of a cool element to it. Yeah, it 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 evolved the narrative versus uh, recycling it. Right. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was really cool. And you would, if you go on, if you talk to anybody about it, I think most people will have, you know, it's it's it's, it's a good sequel. They do some things differently, and they take it to a new place. And I just like that they did that. So yeah, that is my recommendation: Return of the Living Dead Three. Go see it. Um, but uh, yeah, that brings us to our main event of the day. Society, 1989 Society, a movie that still evokes jaw drops even after you see it because it's so crazy. So this movie, of course, directed by Brian Usna, this was his first uh, feature to actually direct, and it stars Billy Warlock, um, and it's, it runs at about 100 minutes, and is actually, it was released in 1989 in Europe, but it did not come out in the U.S. until 1992, and people just didn't take to it in the U.S., but they loved it over in Europe. I think they just kind of got it, and you would make, you would think that the U.S. would get this because it's kind of like a very... We've seen a lot of themes of like this in the past, uh, recently in movies like with The Purge or Ready or Not where the rich kind of feed off the poor. And in this movie it literally – Or even Get Out. Yeah, or Get Out. And in this movie, Society, that literally happens in a literal sense. It's very fun to watch. But um, Society, the film, I remember watching this for the first time. Oh, my goodness. It was either right out of high school or um, right early in college. It was somewhere around like 1999 or 2000. And I was just like, holy shit, this movie is insane because it has lots of tits and ass, lots of sex, and some pretty crazy bodily carnage. Uh, Not to mention a great satire of the class system. Uh, but Preston, when were you first introduced to this movie, and what was your initial reaction to it? My first introduction to this movie was I was in high school, and I remember getting it from my Payless Video Store and watching it, um, being really weirded out by it, naturally, uh, before you know we had the internet as available to us. And we could read uh, articles such as the most disturbing sequences that still haunt us today. And this movie, just as you said, Brian, 30 years later, is still on those lists. Yeah, still jaw-dropping because it just – it keeps going. And you're just like, what can they – oh, here it is. Oh, Oh, this is amazing. You know, it's funny. It's I'll tell you a little side story that happened yesterday because I was watching it again yesterday. And Chafferdini happened – our friend Mark Chafferdini happened to stop by while it was on during the big scene. 
And he was like, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> and it's like, you just have to sit down and watch this with me. It was, it's, it's that crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy all throughout, but I mean, it's pretty famous for its ending. But, um, I mean, there's more going on in this movie. Um, there's, there's a lot of great imagery, imagery all throughout uh, developed by Screaming Mad George. Yes, the amazing makeup special effects guy who got his start with Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, oddly enough. And then went on to like do like Predator and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4. Like the dude – like in, with a name like Screaming Mad George, you're either a dictator or you're a makeup effects wizard. Yeah, <laughs> and he, yeah, he's a makeup effects wizard. Like he had uh, – He's an Asian man who has like had uh, bleach blonde hair, and I've seen stills of him working on this film, and it's it's just incredible. So the imagery all throughout, uh, especially at the end, is pretty pretty incredible. So like, uh, what makes this movie great is um, it's got that classic story of uh, you know it's like a a, a teen movie. And it has like that, you know, teen wolf kind of appeal. And then so we're at that age where we, we, we don't we're just figuring out what our bodies are doing and what we're going to do with our lives. And um, so this is that scenario of a kid who doesn't uh, he doesn't know anything about his parents. It seems it's it's a bit like the movie's a bit clunky. Not a lot of things add up. But I think you said it pretty well early on, uh, Brian, about that Brian Usna is um, somebody – and there's a great uh, feature on this. There's an Arrow video release of this movie that's great. And he has uh, – Brian Usna has an interview on that uh, where he talks about you know, there's moments you know, all throughout his career of working that people will come up with all these ideas and he, he – he won't turn him down. If he doesn't care so much about logic, he just likes the imagery, and that's the reason why this movie was even made. They uh, uh, reverse engineered it. He had the idea for this the image of bodies melding from I think it was like Doctor X or something like that 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 he watched, and uh, he was influenced by like Salvador Dali paintings and just like any sort of like surrealist painting like in the document uh, or in the interview that's on the on the arrow release uh he talks about like this really great uh, i'm sorry i didn't look up the name of the art piece but there's like this uh piece of a woman looking into a mirror and then when you back out uh it's made to look like a skull um so uh it's cool that that's what he's inspired by and that's what he wanted to make and so as you're watching it you if you're somebody who really concerns themselves with narrative and everything adding up um this movie will not be for you because uh i mean there's a mom in this movie who looks like divine who hacks up hairballs yes absolutely and it oh makes no goddamn sense whatsoever and not 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 even at the like end of the movie. She's just kind of there, but she just kind of like rolls into a room and just like, bruh, bruh. yeah. She, it's like she was lobotomized <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, it's very it's, strange. Yeah, it, but it, but it's also super funny. So, like Preston said, it's like kind of like a teen movie where kids go into school, likes a girl. Um, his parents and family are super wealthy elite people. 
And then, you know, all hell breaks loose and up is down, left is right type of thing towards the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean, like there's there's images uh, like he he has a he visits with a psychiatrist and uh, one of the first hints early on that establishes the tone of the movie is him having uh, seen an image like taking a bite into an apple and then it like, I don't know being like that moment in lost boys when Michael's uh, Asian food turns into worms. And so it's constantly all throughout the film uh, playing with what's real and what is not is, is, is this guy insane? Yeah. And so, yeah, he starts to like see visions of like the people he's sleeping with or somebody like their body sister. Yeah. Body contorting. And like, then he like snaps out of it and then you're like, Oh, it's real. It's not real. Yeah. There's, there's always answers up until a certain point. Um, for, but, or he'll just like push, brush it off. Like there's, there's certain moments, you know, where real human being would be like, wait, what? And he just kind of just, ignores it and just keeps going because it is it's feeding into that idea where he's like he's very paranoid and am i going insane um because this seems just so beyond uh reality that maybe i could and be and also because he's having some incestuous feelings towards his sister and he's recognizing that in his own family with how they interact with one another uh which only gets progressively worse as the movie goes on and on because i think there's um there is a certain point where he walks in on in one of their rooms and then it shows like the dad massaging the the and their and the the sister and the mom are wearing like lingerie and like their nipples are kind of showing through their clothes and there's like there's no way. I was like, there's definitely something wrong here. This kid is totally in the right for questioning everything. Um, but most of what happens in the film up until the end, uh, there's there's an explanation for what he's seeing or what he's hearing. So for what he's hearing, there's a boyfriend character or an ex-boyfriend character um, who's introduced early on in the film. Uh spying on his sister who's like getting dressed in front of a mirror and putting on a dress and uh her and her parents are having discussions about this coming out party for society yeah and so in 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 wealthy culture coming out is kind of like a cotillion but it's but it's it's like a literal sense of coming out in this movie yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we we he's like the the character that's trying to uh, break them down and show that they're what they're doing or is not right, and there's something wrong with them. And for some reason, his son that the son is just complete has been a completely oblivious to this uh i mean he even has questions like was i adopted because i just don't fit in with my family because he'll have uh, like his parents whenever he's because he he's a good kid he he's part of the debate team uh for a five foot six bas- basketball player um, <laughs> yes. um yeah it makes sense 
and um and so he'll like talk about things that he needs to do or what he's doing around his family and his family is just like not concerned they're all their complete focus is into the sister's uh coming out party um and uh anything that's relatively human they do not care about um so it's just a discovery story for this kid to um find out what his family's really like. Um, but, uh, should we talk specifically about some of the craziest scenes or I'm getting a little bit all over the place because there's, this movie's just so exciting because there's just so much going on that I kind of like, uh, got away from like what the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend's plot is, which is, uh, the, He's been recording uh, the family and the sister, and he's like bugged, uh, like underneath the car and the, the, the sister's earrings, and has like all this uh, uh, archived recordings of them talking about society and getting into some orgy shit. Yeah, and, it's, it's. I think Yuzna was just like trying to give you like little details by putting like these little side arcs in there of like, what is actually happening? What? This can't be true. Yeah. Cause that's probably like one of the most shocking moments early on outside of just like the images of the, of the sister uh, showering. And then uh, the brother just simply trying to get some lotion, you know, <laughs> like any like porn movie. Of like, I, I just came over to drop off these things. I just need this. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so he goes into the bathroom of his sister's room. And then uh, there's like one of the, those uh, foggy mirror looks uh, or f- foggy windows for glass window for the shower where you can't you can see like the, the shape, but you can't quite see like what's going on. And so from the looks of it, it, it the body's like half turned around like where the breasts are on the back and then the uh you can see the ass too so it just that that's the first image that pops up where you're like oh my god what the hell is going on and then it's also given into that idea of the the incestuous relationship amongst the family or he's feeling that pool in kind of like a raw kind of way like the movie raw um, where there's something going on with the family and then they're slowly figuring out the secrets within and are feeling that sort of like pull to the dark side. And that's what it is for him. Like he's beginning to develop like weird, uh, feelings towards his sister. Um, it's not like they don't like capitalize it on it to the nth degree, but it's, it's laying down the breadcrumbs just well enough to where you can gather that, um, yeah, this isn't right. No, it's 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 a, like a slow build of you know of trying to give you all the necessary things to know for when the shit hits the fan, and then you all come back like, oh my god, everybody knows about it except for kind of one guy who just seems to like think he's going crazy, and uh, it's. It's just well done in the way, like how it's paced and how they kind of set everything up. Because I, well, let's just talk about like the climactic scene of the shunting and uh, body melding. Wait, wait, wait! Before we get to that, are there any other shocking moments throughout leading to it that 
are worth uh, talking about. Because, I mean, there's the sex scene that well, happens. Yeah, I, li- I like the sex scene a lot because after the sex, it's uh, like yes. they, they, they show her, like, her body all contorted, like, upside, like, her legs and her body don't match. And then he, like, yeah. falls to the floor, like, dick first. <laughs> And he's like, what? Huh? Yeah, like he's uh, touching her back as she's on top. And uh, he sees that there's a woman's hand, which it doesn't make sense for the the hand to be in that particular position. And that's what causes him to roll off onto the floor. And then um, he looks over at the bed and then she's like covered with the, the, the blanket, but it takes a minute for it to register in your brain that the, her bottom half is in a inhumane position as well. And, you know, they achieve this through using like two people, but it's, it's, uh, it's positioned just well enough to where it's, uh, it's a, it's a frightening image. It is because it you're like you're just had some good sex and then all of a sudden something is god awful wrong. Yeah. Oh, and immediately following that scene, you know, everything's cool. Let's make some tea. And what does she offer, Brian? What does she offer? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> OK, so in, in that scene, uh, so she's wearing like a robe and then she's like, would you like anything with your tea? Would you like any, you know, milk or honey or would you like me to pee in it? Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) There's fetishes going on in this film. All throughout. And, uh, I made a joke before we even started recording about lotion and there's a scene at the beach with, uh, what's the main kid's name? Um, William, William, right? Bill, Bill Whitney. Um, isn't that him? I or, think so. Let's yeah, see. because Billy Warlock plays it. Bill, Billy yeah, Warlock. Bill, yeah. Bill, okay, William Bill. Whitney. All right, so yeah, so there's a scene where Bill is at the beach with his girlfriend, who is not the girl that's in that sex scene that we were describing earlier, but he has a falling out with her. Um, but there's a scene with them at the beach together, and it there's like these two kids that are like army crawling. And actually one of them is Brian Usna's kid. Oh yeah, and that's they, right. And they steal uh, a lotion bottle from between their legs when they're laying down in the sun as they're like making out. And then the kid like squirts it all over the girl's face. And <laughs> you know, it's just all around the lip. And then <laughs> it shows uh, Bill running after these kids and then uh, they drop the lotion, and that, this is when he meets the girl that he uh, later has sex with, with that contorted body, and she squirts it on his face. So there, yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, sexual imagery in this film. There is, and then it gets right to the point with shunting. Yes, as uh, poor Bill and um, another another poor hapless sack where the entire wealthy elite family and their friends reveal to be a different species, not necessarily aliens from another planet. They've always been on earth and they begin to shunt 
meaning they begin to literally feed off these people and body meld with them by sticking their fingers through their skin. And they didn't use blood. They used a lot of KY jelly. Yeah. Yeah, the the idea was that Brian using a uh, ver- compared to Reanimator, which just was an unrated film, and they could just do whatever the hell they wanted. This one they had restrictions, but it helps to actually make it a, a, an even disturbing, a more disturbing movie because it's just so much skin. Because that- b- blood will cover up. You know, the dark color of blood will cover up your skin, but the clear, like, slime, you'll see, like, people enter orifices with their fingers and elbows and just... I mean, there's a shot of a hand going into an ass cheek. Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> Amongst many, many other things of, the of like, a, a mouth sucking on a shoulder and then pulling back and then it almost taking like a Tim Burton Beetlejuice kind of feel like when the the the, the couple like pulls moves molds their faces to be a certain thing yes. and it's like the skin's just pulling back and uh, I mean it happens all throughout there's all sorts of shapes it's, that... it's, it, it almost seems like it's a sexualized version of the hell blood orgy in Event Horizon yes <laughs> Like, would that be a way to describe it? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movies that I can think of that probably took inspiration from this movie, like Slither. Like, or, yeah, like Slither. Yeah. Or, or even, like, maybe like a, uh, a Hellraiser type of thing. Sure. Um, but, like, whereas, like, Event Horizon's, like, Blood Hell Orgy was super evil, this one seems more sexualized and more about it's 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 weird because it's it's achieving a tone that's comical yes but, no with the sure. music and the particular lighting of the scene because once the shunting starts like the, the light turns orange yes like a like a red orange and so you kind of like you get the gist of everything and i just can't imagine being that in natural light and seeing all of that but I think they did that to, you know, stylize the film and also kind of mask the practical effects for the time. Yeah. But it still it still looks really good and like everybody's having a good time in that scene minus the two people who are kind of Yeah. It, it's it done it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable. I just can't imagine being on that set or being in the casting process and being like, "All right, we're going to need some old people." Like just normal people, normal looking people, everyday people that are going to be a part of this uh, orgy, this like the most disturbing imagery that you've ever seen in your life. Like I just can't imagine. Like I wonder like what the hell was going through their heads or what caused them to do it. Originally, the script called for just for a sacrifice, a ritual sacrifice but brian usna being being brian usna's like nah, we can take it a step further <laughs> let's sex have and, a sacrifice yeah yeah but body meld and suck up oh my goodness and they yeah, went they, 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 yeah they gotta show the horror before they get to him Right, and I, you know, they, I think these people are actors and actresses, and you're like, "Hey, we're going to do this crazy scene. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody's going to be naked. You're going to be sucking on people." And for actors and actresses, like you know, like, "Oh, the guy from Reanimator," and you're just like, "Yes, let me be a part of this." Yeah, they had a lot of trust for him. That's that's for sure. For sure, and like you think about like, okay, even though this movie was made in 1989, you know, that's 30 years ago. 
let's try and remake this with known people today. And like, I, you would hope that, you know, people would jump at this, you know, to do something like this and it be as kind of as comical yet as revealing as this movie is. Yeah. It's an interesting movie beyond just that, the shock value of the end, but because it's, it's, you know, most of the movie is this kind of, you know, it's problematic to like, you know, Oscar standards, but uh, like even some scenes don't flow very organically. Like they'll just like end and then or, or be abrupt. Like even the ending of this movie is super abrupt. Yes. But um, the it's got it, it's OK. It's forgivable because it kind of fits inside that box of like problematic 80s movies and but then it pushes beyond that box because it has that ending and it does something that no other film really has before it's because you have i like to look at it as um again like a romeo and juliet story because you have certain factions of people here who like each other <laughs> don't you wouldn't you agree yeah well, well yeah you have the 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 couple of you know him and then the girl that he has sex with who is a part of this society but she's uh feeling that pull towards him and wanting to not be a part of it anymore um so yeah th- there, there's a lot going on here um i i think it i mean it, it does wonders for today <laughs> i think if they did remake it it would fit pretty well. Like even when I was making that comment about the want me to pee in your tea. Oh my God. Uh, Trump. Um, <laughs> well, so. it's like relevant today of this class system doing all of this. It's coming out in movies over the last five years for sure. Yeah. And I think that's why it's like such a popular cult film um, because of those reasons. Like, cause uh, the reason why I picked this movie for this week is because uh, it's screening at the Texas theater at the end of the month in Dallas. And they're doing like a 35 millimeter screening and Brian using is going to be there. And uh, I, I didn't tell you this, Brian, but I actually talked to Brian using for this movie. I talked to him yesterday for about 45 minutes on the phone just talking about are we gonna uh, put this on the show i i i can uh so i can put put it as a yeah send it to me and we'll put it on there like as a separate thing like a special edition yeah i um so yeah i'll play that um i'll put like a because he's like making something in his microwave so you can like hear him like tinkering with things in the background but then once (laughs) we get to like the the real deal uh, uh it's it's fine it's easy to listen to please ask but, me if you asked him about honey i shrunk the kids i did we did talk about that because uh that's the thing that uh, stuck out to me because at you know he he's a i believe he has four children um i think he might have had two at the time but uh, um he had some kids, and so that was one of the things that I wanted to talk to him about because uh, I actually opened up my conversation by saying, oh, thank you so much for all the great conversations that I have with my wife by watching your movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> he laughed and uh, says, uh, yep, that, that happens quite often. And, and that's like the, the energy that you'll get at these screenings for his movies 
like even when I went to, when I talked about Reanimator and seeing it and just going there and then just people just having a good time and laughing. And I can only imagine what the audience will be like at this movie, especially for people who have never seen it before. And because there's just like everybody's like half the crowd is like giggling. Um, and then the other half is like, oh, my God, I just got to know, like, what was going through your mind. And so that that's what we talked about. We talked about uh, I was like, how do you craft a movie like this? when you have children and you're a father and like, you're just exploring the dark corners of your mind. And then you immediately follow that up with honey. I shrunk the kids. But then he uh, said that he's like, you know, when you think about it, honey, I shrunk the kids could be a horror movie. Like I could have played with the lighting a little bit and I could have used different music and it could have been a horror movie. I, I, it's not as crazy of a jump as you think. And I think he explained it quite well. So, yeah, you'll have to listen to that audio. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send that and we'll make that its own separate thing. And it's yeah, it's about a 45-minute long discussion. Good. No, I can't wait to listen to that. That's amazing. I, I'm very excited. Very excited. Um, but is there any other areas that we haven't really explained? I mean, there's the... The sequence immediately after the shunting, and we didn't even talk about the part where, uh, you know, that the mayor smoking a cigar sticks his hand right up the ass. Yep. And then up, it comes up through the guy's face. It's um, yeah. So that scene is, uh, I believe, is one of the scenes where Mark Chafferdini walked in on. <laughs> it's just kind of like whoa, goes all the way up and all the way through his mouth, and you know, you hear jokes about that, and it's just. To see yeah. it in practical effects wise is super fun. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. I would love to like see a B roll of all this being yeah, done. Like, just like just hear the sounds and just like on set. Yeah. Just, just like being like the, the, the audio director or like even Brian using it on set, just listening with his ear uh, phones in and then being like, Yes, that sounds great. Sounds like ass to ass stuff. <laughs> um <laughs> And and then yeah, the, after that, you know, there's the scene of of Bill escaping, and then he's in his mother's room, and then you see the shot of her in bed, but she's got a man's arms for legs. Yep. And then you pull back, she she removes the the bedding, and then stands up, and then that's when you can kind of tell that uh, it's got like this. Total Recall kind of feel where it's got, or, or even early Terminator, where uh, you can tell that it's it's fake, but it's so incredibly done. And then, uh, so you see that shot. You see her having the man's legs, and then the daughter's head pops out of her vagina. Yep. And then says, if you're having any incestuous feelings, act on them now sort of thing. <laughs> and then and then he, he's like so back, so frightened by this that he's backing up. And then we get the very famous shot of the movie of the dad, because earlier on in the movie, he called his dad a fucking butthead. And yep. And what? And then he literally takes that form. Yep. And is a man's face coming out of an ass and he says like i really am a butthead yep um, and it's 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 such a interesting image <laughs> to, to put it lightly right it's 
Oh, the the legs are there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's incredible. So that's pretty much like most of the imagery. Like beyond that, I mean, outside of uh, the, the the last crazy shot of him fighting the. Is his name like Ted Ferguson? Because I'm like it is no, no. It, it, it absolutely is Ted Ferguson. Because <laughs> you think yeah. of Turd Ferguson because yeah. of everything, but no, it is Ted Ferguson. Because so, they yeah, they like mentioned the bo- that name several times in the movie. Yeah, like even at the early beach scene that I was talking about. Um, so yeah, he's like the bully of the movie, pretty much. And uh, so this is the so he has the final fight. Billy has a final fight to kind of escape the situation and break away free with his uh, suspicious buddy who's been kind of like, uh, which we didn't really bring up too much, but he has a, he has a good friend. Who's, Milo, Milo. Yeah. Milo. Um, who's uh, been on the, on the path to kind of also uh, expose this uh, cult in a way, or he's suspicious of it entirely that there's something going on with Bill and so he kind of discovers it alongside uh, Bill. But so uh, he's there to help get him out of this situation. And then also there's the girl, the love interest, who wants to escape and leave with him. Clarissa. And so they have – yes. Um, so they have this final – Bill has this final fight with the, the bully of the movie – and uh, he turns him inside out uh, amongst uh, a, a, a various other things that happen, like pulling his lips out like because they have a kiss and he pulls back and then his mouth is just extended out like Howard the Duck and has this <laughs> like all these like incredible sound design noises. And um, so, yeah, th- and then we get the, the image of him turning uh, shunting him and turning him inside out like that whole metaphor of like turning somebody inside out like that you know conquer evil um uh so yeah there's a lot going on there and then it just uh, they leave so i guess they found that way to defeat them and then everybody else is still alive and it just kind of ends it's it's oh my goodness! It's such a fun movie, all in the span of just a little over ninety minutes, and it's oh my goodness! It's uh, I, it's one of those movies you kind of want to like show people who've never seen it and then not tell them anything about it, absolutely, and see how far they make it through the movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, like because my I, I watched it late at night again the other night, and uh, my wife has never seen this movie, but she's seen like reanimator and <clears throat> various other stuff that Brian using has done. But, uh, this one, I, I just thought it would take the cake and she would not last very long, but so she did see some of those images that we were describing earlier in the film, but she did not see the whole shunting sequence. And so I <laughs> described it to her the next day, uh, cause it had been a long time since I seen it. And she was like, what happened at the end of the movie? And I'm like, oh, boy, you're Let's in for a it. treat. Let's just watch uh, it. <laughs> yeah. No, that wasn't going to happen. She was not going to sit through that. And so I explained <laughs> it to her, and she she didn't even want to eat the rest of her meal. Um, <laughs> Good dinner time conversation. Absolutely. But, uh, uh, yeah, that it is a incredible movie to watch with somebody who just has no idea what the hell to expect. And at this point, you know, 
there is a lot of those uh, images out there of the 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 butthead and uh, other things that happen in the movie that are out there on the internet. But if, and uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You, you you missed out on experience in this movie in its full form. But uh, for those of you who have, uh, it's fun. To, it's so fun to talk about. It's so fun to like watch with people. Yeah, w- watch it. Watch it soon. Watch it in October coming up, and you can watch it on Amazon Prime if you have a Prime account, or you can get the Arrow video release. Or if you're in Dallas, go see it at the Texas Theater for sure. Oh my goodness, society. What a fantastic film. Uh oh my goodness, just so much fun. This is this is a movie you just want to have in your collection just like you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's again playing at the Texas Theater. I believe it's September 28th and you can go on Texas Theater.com and you can uh buy your tickets there because you won't want to miss uh brian Usna talking in the flesh about this movie sweet deal that wraps up our 67th episode of my bloody podcast stitcher radio itunes and now spotify subscribe uh we will be uh out and about next week in fantastic fest so expect all sorts of goodness to come from that video and audio wise um, I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me, of course, on boomstickcomics.com and highdefdigest.com. I've got some Blu-ray and 4K reviews up, and I'm working on a big, fun article that will be up probably, hopefully, next week, if not the week after. But I'll keep you posted as well as some high-def gear coming up. It's going to be great, and Preston is on YouPorn. Find them on all the fetish sites. Yeah. A lot of shunting. Um, yeah, you can find me in the Denton Record Chronicle, which is a North Texas newspaper. Uh, most of my articles find there find them uh, are on that website. Uh, most recently, I wrote a interview piece with David Oyelowo for a time bending or time traveling thriller called Don't Let Go, which is in theaters now through Blumhouse Productions. Um, so if you like the movie Frequency with Dennis Quaid, it's a bit of a twist on that with a little pinch of memento. Um, it's uh, I'll say it's a fairly good movie. Um, I think it its plot gets in the way of things, especially in the last half. But I was very surprised by the emotional aspect of the movie. But uh, so I give that movie a mild recommendation. But I really enjoyed talking to David Oyelowo, who's pretty much like one of the most articulate uh, actors out there. And I'm glad that he's getting more in the creative side of things because he produced this movie and uh, sounds like he altered it in such a way that it made the movie even better because it like had a more simplistic storyline that, and then it only got more complicated and specific from there. <clears throat> um, so there's that. I'm also the Fresh uh, Features Editor on FreshFiction.tv, and man, I've edited so many of James Cole Clay's reviews, Um, so if you're curious about like any of the movies that are coming out during the awards season, James Cole Clay has seen it, and I know all the secrets, It's uh, so nothing's going to be 
uh, a surprise to me, like the lighthouse. He read a review of that, uh, Robert Eggers follow up to the witch. And then, uh, he saw like Ford versus Friari and other a 24 movies like uncut gems with Adam Sandler. And so he's got a lot of great stuff, uh, a review of the Joker, uh, which I have to say, like out of all the reviews that he's written, for out of tiff that 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 one's the strongest one i think he does a really good job of describing uh the sort of concerns that people will have after the movie comes out because a lot of people already are talking about how the movie can just be pure anarchy and then they'll be like what the hell is the point of this movie when it's like a cautionary tale and so really interesting so I'm, it makes me more excited about seeing some of these movies so Go on freshfiction.tv and find those, as well as uh, my posts on Instagram, at Preston Barta. I, so if you want to know what that Jaws vinyl record looks like outside of going on mondotees.com, I show what it looks like inside and out and what it sounds like. And I got the box art for The Hills Have Eyes 2 and stuff like that. So I'm always in posting VHSs in my Instagram stories. I found Bride of Reanimator on VHS, amongst other things. So uh, I have fun. There you go, folks. Find Preston everywhere, literally. Um, yeah, we will be in Fantastic Fest again next week, and uh, we will see you and hear you and miss you and love you there. Uh, until then, my bloody podcast. We're shunting over here.